Well, good evening. It's good to see each of you here, and we are thankful for your presence this afternoon, and hope you've had a good evening and have enjoyed the uh, relaxing afternoon. I'm going to have some light. Uh, so we are glad that you are here. Again, it's always good to see our regular members, and uh, always good to see folks who haven't uh, been able to be here in a while be here. <clears throat> so we're thankful <clears throat> for that. We want to continue a uh, study, I guess, in, well, that we had several weeks ago, uh, one of the last times I spoke uh, before our meeting and for the first uh, Sunday of the, of the month and, and things concerning Joshua. We looked at Joshua's faithfulness, if you remember, in our last uh, time that we met and talked about uh, Joshua in the book of Joshua. And tonight I want us to move into chapter 2 and some of the highlights of Joshua, and I consider chapter 2 a highlight of Joshua, uh, a good old story that uh, we're very familiar with and uh, often tell our children and teach this story in our children's classes and those types of things and <clears throat> goes back several, several years ago when my little Abigail was in class with her mother. And then my old good wife, she always teaches the little ones. And uh, speaking of my good wife, I communicated with my sweet Amanda just a little while ago, and they were in West Tennessee at Oak Grove Church of Christ. I'm not sure exactly where that's at, uh, but they were attending there just a little bit ago and on their way back. So we do solicit your prayers for their safe return uh, as they come back to us tonight. Uh, we miss Mama when she's gone. Oh, uh, my son called uh, called her this afternoon and wanted to know about uh, what detergent to put in his clothes. And she said, uh, "Is this you, Micah?" <laughs> she didn't believe it was him. Uh, I said, "Yes, Mama." She said, "Will you have somebody please take a video of you washing your own clothes?" Um, but anyway, he had his girlfriend there, and she was trying to help him, and uh, I wasn't about to help him. Uh, I told him, I said, you're fixing to get in the real world. Mama ain't going to be around to cut your little toast into hearts anymore. Uh, so anyway, his mama takes care of him. He's mama's boy. And, uh, but anyway, uh, goes back to goes back to years ago. My little Abigail was in class and Bible studying the, before Bible Bowl and Joshua and her mother uh, had tried to explain what a harlot is to these little girls. They were just probably first grade, second grade, maybe not that. But anyway, uh, Amanda comes back and tells me, she says, I have to tell you what your daughter said. And just ironically, a couple, three days before that, we were in the basement looking through family albums and there was pictures of me and other girls when I was younger who we, uh, we had had pictures made together and this, that, and other, and there was, there was a few of them. And she had asked who they were, and we told her they were her daddy's girlfriends and this, that, and other. So y'all know where she's going, right? Uh, so my wife's trying to teach the little girls, and Abigail's in there, and what a harlot is. And she finally just tells them that it's a woman who has a lot of boyfriends. And the first thing Abigail says, just like daddy. Uh, so I'll never forget that, uh, 
when she, she said that, Amanda come and told me that, but no, not just like daddy. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, Rahab, uh, the harlot in chapter 2, we're very uh, blessed to have these stories because it helps to increase our faith. It helps us to see people who have exercised their faith and believed and come out on the other side, on the good side. And I think that's the good story that we have uh, here tonight. And Caleb done a good job reading just a moment ago. But again, in Joshua 1, we saw the dedication uh, of the scriptures to God's new leader of Israel. Talked about his faithfulness, his dedication, and the faithfulness to the Lord. But rather than continue to talk about Joshua, I want us to move tonight and spend some time to talk about a woman, as we've already identified, who lived in the land of Canaan, which was conquered by Israel. In chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, we see the protection of the spies. They've sent spies in to go in and spy out the city to see what's going on, what the, the makeup is, and, and what the, the different ways to um, manipulate the city and they'll be able to overtake it. And again, it speaks of the woman Rahab. Not an honorable woman that we would really expect to read about in the scriptures. And we're actually told that she's a prostitute. The command of the king of Jericho was to be on watch for the Israelite spies. And rather to turn these two spies over to the king, Rahab decides to allow them to stay in her home. Somehow the king of Jericho finds out that the Israelite spies are staying with Rahab and he demands that she turned these spies over to him. And instead of turning them over, Rahab decides to hide the spies. Hide them into the stalks of flax on the roof. She also sends the Jericho soldiers on a wild goose chase, if you remember. And one might say, why did Rahab do this? Why would Rahab go against her own and the laws of her own king in an effort to protect these two spies who are seeking information to conquer the city she lives in? You go on through that story in verses 8 through 11, <clears throat> we see some of the reasons, don't we? She has and gains a knowledge of God. In verses 8 through 11, that was read just a moment ago, if we're 8 through 9, and then on down to 11, it says, Before they were laid down, she came up to them upon the roof. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did unto the kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, and whom you utterly destroyed. And as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. 
Rahab makes a tremendous confession for the power of the Lord. She says that she knows that the Lord had given Israel this land. In fact, the people had been in fear of the Israelites and their invasion. The inhabitants of Jericho, as we remember, have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea. They had heard all the mighty things that their God had done. Even to what happened to the two Amorite kings. And the courage of the people has failed because they knew that the Israelites were coming to conquer them. So her understanding of God is the reason why she protects the spies. She declares there in our reading, for the Lord your God, at that very last verse 11, is God in heaven above and on earth <clears throat> below. I think it's very interesting and important to consider here how Rahab had the faith to fear God more than the government. Her fear of God was greater than her fear of the king. Rahab reveals great faith by protecting the spies because of her faith in God rather than hand them over to the king of Jericho. You know, that's a great Mark, I guess you could say, to leave behind, wouldn't it? She feared God more than she did the government. We'll have more to say about that just in a moment. But she came with the, the knowledge of God and the fear of God in chapter 2 there 12 and, and through 3 verse 14. And the fear of Rahab of God is so great that she pleads, notice there in the scripture, she pleads for mercy when Israel comes to conquer the land. In verses 12 and 13, she says, Please swear to me by the Lord that you will also show kindness to my family because I, I showed kindness to you. He says, Give me a sign, she says, that you will spare the lives of my father and my mother, my brothers and my sisters, and all who belong to them, and save us from death. See, Rahab knew this was the end of Jericho. She knew that. She knew that she needed the salvation of the Lord, and that the salvation of the Lord could only be obtained through these spies. That's the only way she could get that, to have that set, to be saved from being conquered and killed. And the men assured her that they would give um, their lives for her and her families because she had showed them kindness and protection. Verses 15 through 24 in uh, the rest of the chapter there, Rahab lived there in a house that was built in the city wall, if you remember. She let the spies down on my rope through the window the men place conditions now. We're talking about her receiving this salvation. They place uh, conditions upon her and her family's salvation. The first and the most obvious is that she does not report the spies, if you remember. Does not report their mission, their, their mission to the king. But the other condition was that she placed a scarlet cord used to let the spies down in the city remain in the window when the Israelites attacked. And if that was the case, and it was there, 
and that Rahab and her family were to have the cord in that window and to also, if you remember, remain in the house. During the attack, they would be safe. So with that story, with that part said, and the story ends in that agreement, the spies return back to camp to report to Joshua that the people of Jericho are melting in fear because the Lord had given them the land. I want us to spend the next few moments thinking about some things concerning this story of Rahab. It's interesting in the New Testament that it spends time talking about the salvation of Rahab. In Hebrews chapter 11, and you're very familiar with this, you read and you hear about this great thing. This great woman who they talk about her faith. And in verse 31 of Hebrews 11, it says, By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them, perished not with them that believed not or were disobedient, but when she had received the spies with peace. She did not perish with those who disobeyed. And if you remember in the book of James in chapter 2 in verse 25, it says, in the same way, was it Rahab, the prostitute, or the harlot, also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them by a different route? You see, Rahab stands as a timeless figure of salvation. The first thing I want you to talk about, or I want to talk about to you tonight, is Rahab's past didn't matter. Now you think about that. She was named as a harlot. She was named as a prostitute. A woman with a lot of boyfriends. But her past, her past did not matter. You see, the story of Rahab is so beautiful in so many different ways. Her past did not preclude her from salvation. Of course, she had a lot of strikes against her. She had a lot of things in her past that, that would not, not be a likely character to receive God's salvation. She's a Gentile. She's not an Israelite. She was a prostitute and not a holy person. But you know, her past did not matter at this one moment in time when she was forced to make a decision to protect the spies or not. Her past was not a deterrent for her to decide at that moment what was most important. Just as today, our past. Our past is not in the way of our salvation. Too often we can think that we have done some things that are just too awful for God to forgive. We may think that we're not deserving of salvation. I've lived in such a way that God could never find it in his heart to forgive me. 
I'm a terrible person. I've done things. But let me tell you tonight, just as Rahab, there's nothing too awful that God will not forgive. God will forgive every sin. You know the only sin that God will not forgive is the one unrepented of. That's the only one. Yes, we're, we're not deserving of salvation. There's not a person here tonight that we deserve it. We don't deserve salvation. We deserved to, to die. We deserved not to have someone die for us and, and satisfy the wrath of God on the cross of Calvary. But he did. He did for me and he did for you. You see, this is the very essence of God's grace. Poured out upon mankind. I try to thank God every day for his grace and his mercy. Without grace and mercy, we're pitiful, aren't we? We're pitiful. And while we were yet sinners, without the ability to save our own souls, to save our own selves, Christ died for us. You see, that's the greatness of salvation. That's the greatness of the story of Rahab. That her past did not matter. But number two, Rahab feared God and sought salvation. She feared God and sought salvation. You see, Rahab asked for salvation. She was not passive in the process. She didn't sit and just kept saying, well, I'll wait till the last minute. Or I'll, I'll wait till the, the, the fighting starts. Or I'll wait and just see if I can live just a little bit longer in the way I'm living. And, and maybe I can escape or hide from the wrath of, of, of these Israelites who are going to come in and conquer our city. I'll just try to live on the edge. No, that wasn't her attitude. It says before they went to bed that night, she went to the roof and she said, this is what I need. She had already heard, what about our salvation? We're about to hear the word, Romans 10 verse 17. So in faith, what? Come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. She had heard what God had done. And it moved her to make a decision about her own life. To say, I need to make a change. And she feared God and she sought it. In verse 12, she pleads with the spies that she and her family be shown kindness when the Israelites returned to conquer Jericho. She wanted to be saved. You know what? Tonight we must want salvation. A person today, this very, very hour, in an unsaved condition, must want it, must seek after it. You see, we're not going to find salvation if we don't want it. If one tonight does not want salvation, if one tonight does not want to be baptized for the remission of their sins and, and, and has no desire, they're not going to attain it. <coughs> 
You see, there has to be a, an effort. You know, we're taught in Scripture that, that they added to the church daily in Acts chapter 2 and verse 47 and in Mark 16 and 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved and the saved have always, as was pointed out, Brother Brand, I thought, done a great job in our gospel meeting, the saved was always inside of something. The eight souls that were saved were inside of the ark. And we could go on with various different ones. And, and even in the present day, the saved are in the body of Christ, which is the church that Christ built, Matthew 16 and verse 18, and that came into existence on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, when about 3,000 souls were baptized for the remission of their sins. You see... Salvation has to be sought after. Perhaps we've forgotten the aspect about our salvation. <clears throat> we must desire deliverance from our sins. If we do not care, why would we think that salvation would be extended to us? If one says, oh, I don't need it, I don't really care. What a dangerous life to live with one is outside of the ark of safety. One who is outside has never contacted the blood of Christ. One who continues to live in their sin knowing that they've got sin in their life. But they, they refuse to turn to God. Could you imagine on that day that God shut the door on the ark? Those people, when the, ro the rains began and the, the, the earth and the, the opened up and waters began to gush. Have you ever been in a situation like that? You ever been in a sinking boat? I have. And it starts in just a little bit and it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And then there's a point that you can't Dip out the water fast enough. The village pump don't work fast enough. And you say to yourself, oh, I'm in trouble. Don't you think those people on that day, when that door was shut, and it began to rain and rain and rain, and it began to get deeper and deeper and deeper, and they had to swim, or they had to float, they had to do, but they couldn't do it no longer. Don't you know that those people had those thoughts? Man, I wished I'd listened to Noah. I wished I'd listened. I wished I would have changed my ways. I wished I had got in, been able to get into the ark. Don't you know? But they regretted that. In John chapter 3, we read the story of a man of Nicodemus. You're very familiar with that. In the very first part, of it, he says what? That he came to Jesus, what? By night. He came to Jesus. He says, I need salvation. I need to know the truth. You are the master teacher. I need to know. No man can do the things you're doing. I, I, I need this. He had to be taught. He had to be learned. And he was unlearned. And our Lord begins to discourse with him and tells him, except a man be born again. Nicodemus is thinking of that physical birth, isn't he? 
He said, how can a man enter into the womb the second time and be born again? Jesus said, oh, no, 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 no. You got it all wrong, Nicodemus. He must be born of the water and of the Spirit. But he sought it. He came after it. Number three, Rahab feared God above all the commands of others. Feared God over all the commands of others. You know, it's strange to me that we think we find salvation by putting the laws of God last. Many people think that, think that way. We think that we will find salvation by putting the laws of God last. Let me tell you, when you put God last, you're not going to find salvation. We have to put God first. And we have to continue to put him first. Baptism is only the simple, the first part. We have to live it after we're baptized. I'm thankful Brother Seth has started this class for people who are newly converts and who are young in the faith. Because this is when it gets really hard. This is when it, you have to figure out, how can I keep doing this thing that I know I need to do and make these changes in my life and walk in a newness of life and not go back to the old life? You see, that's the, that's the hard part. And it's a struggle. And I know some of our newly converts are here tonight, and, and, and let me commend you for being faithful and being here and learning and studying and going to class. Because that's the hard part. But she feared the commands, or feared God, other men, other than the commands of others. You see, putting the laws of God last is not how it goes. This is not the example of Rahab. She did not put the laws of Jericho or the laws of her king above what she knew she needed to do for the Lord. She could have made the excuse that she would love to help. I'd love to help you guys. <clears throat> but I, I'm going to have to protect myself and my family from the king. What would my king do if he found out that I was protecting you? She could have made a number of excuses why, why she could not or would not help. But the fear of the Lord must override the opinions and the laws of others. You see, that stands true today. The laws of God and the moral laws and the spiritual laws and all the things that God has told us to do must override every law of every man, every family that says, oh, this is, I think this is what you need to do, God overrides them if it's not what God has told them to do. That's just as simple as that. You see, the Lord, the fear of the Lord, must override the opinions and laws of others. We must put God first regardless of what our spouse may say. Now you think about that. Sometimes we have marriages, as Brother Brandt brought out in our gospel meeting. He said, I used to say marry in the church. Well... Sometimes that ain't always the best. Because sometimes in the church we got people who are not living like they should be. 
I continue to say, Mary and the Lord. Someone who loves the Lord. Someone who loves God. And let me tell you, young people, you can tell if a person loves God pretty quick. Pretty quick. By how, by how he or she acts. You know, when I want to know something about somebody, I go look at their social media. I go look at their TikToks. Because it tells you a whole lot about a young person and an older person. And I'm going to tell you what, young people, your peers know all about you. Used to, I could stand in my door in the high school halls and just stand there quietly and listen. And I could find out where the party was going to be on Friday night, where the party was on Friday night, who got drunk, who lost their purity, on Friday night, sexually, by just standing and listening. I still have contact through coaching and things in our high school, and I still hear things. You really want to hear, you really want to know. This is a sad part, really, but the locker room in a football field house tells you a whole lot about our young people. And I say ours, I mean, our young people as a whole, and even our young people in our congregation. You hear a whole lot. You hear a whole lot. A lot of times it deals with filthy mouths. Sometimes it deals with cursing. And someone may ask me, well, I thought, older person and younger person, I thought they was a member of the church. I thought they were baptized at church camp. I thought they was baptized or they were go out there, they go here. You're, you're, you're a preacher, right? <clears throat> yeah. What about this person? We just, we just seen them the other day standing and vaping. We just seen them the other day cursing. We just seen them the other day losing their temper and throwing things. And this goes for old people too, not just our young people. People are watching. We have to fear God. And we have to obey God and not let the evil one bring us about. We must put God first regardless of our, what our country commands. And we must put God first in every decision. Acts chapter 5 and verse 29 so Peter wrote there, so then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, as Luke wrote, he says, we ought to obey God rather than me. You see, it's that simple. Number four, Rahab confessed the Lord to be the only God. Rahab's confession in verse 11 is a great confession for each person to center his or her life around. She does not simply acknowledge that there is a God. She declares that the Lord to be above, is above all else. And she says, the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. She confesses that the Lord is ruler over all creation in heaven and earth. And this is an amazing confession living as a Canaanite and as a Gentile. They believed just in their local gods pretty much. 
They would have a God on a high hill who would be over that plot of land. But Rahab says that the Lord is the God of heaven and earth and God rules over all things. She makes that confession. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Confession is made what? To the, by the mouth. Unto what? Salvation. We see that great confession in Acts chapter 8 in Philip and the eunuch. When Philip asked him, he says, Do thou believe us that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? And he made that great confession. Number five, Rahab had faith in God to obey the conditions for her salvation. You see, just as the previous four thoughts are as important in regards to salvation of Rahab, so also it was important that Rahab obeyed all the Lord's conditions for salvation. She could not simply back, sit back and expect salvation by doing nothing. We've already seen that she was seeking salvation. She confessed the Lord to be the only God. But there was more that she needed to do. Recall the conditions of her salvation. She could not report the spies. She had to leave the scarlet cord out of her window. She and her family had to remain in the house during the invasion. If she had done not one of those things and left one of those things out, her salvation or her deliverance, if you will, would be lost. And the spies are very clear about that in verses 17 through 20 in our text in Joshua 2. And meeting those conditions for her salvation was so important that the New Testament writers describe our salvation in the same terms. Sometimes people get hung up and say, oh, well, she lied, she lied, she lied. The Bible does not, con does not commend her lie. The Bible commends her faith, doesn't it? It's never okay to lie. But it commends her faith. Hebrews 11 and 31 again. By faith Rahab the prostitute of the harlot did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had received the spies in peace. And James 2, again, 25 and 26, speaks of her. She could not just simply believe that the Lord is the God of heaven and earth. That was not enough for salvation. She had to act. The conditions were laid out. She had to accept the conditions for salvation. She protected them. She didn't report them. She helped them escape. She left a scarlet cord in the window. She remained in the house during the invasion. And by doing those things, we read in Joshua 6 that she and her family were protected during the invasion. You see, there are same conditions for us today as we close. Colossians 2, verses 11 and 12. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. By putting off the body of the sins of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. How do we show our faith in the working of God for salvation? We must be buried with Christ in baptism. Immersion is a necessary condition for salvation. 
Infant baptism, child baptism is not appropriate because Paul teaches that faith is required. Baptism, young folks and older folks as well, is not just an outward act. It's not something that you just you do that to join the church. If you're baptized believing that you are joining a church, you didn't have the proper faith. And you did not meet God's condition for salvation. You see, we must believe that our sins are being cut off and washed away. Salvation doesn't come by saying, oh, I accept you as my personal Savior. Our young people are exposed to this every year in high school through one of their programs there. A lot of times a speaker will come in and he will say, accept Jesus as your personal Savior and you'll be saved today. Young people, that is false teaching. That is not how Christ and the Bible and God set up salvation. If it was that easy, everybody would do it. And everybody would go to heaven. And I can tell you tonight, everybody doesn't get to go to heaven. Only those who are obedient and who are faithful to God and who are baptized believers. Those are the people who get to go to heaven. Tonight is your salvation, is your faith like Rahab. Can you go to heaven tonight? Can you? Should you? You see, the world teaches you that salvation just comes by simple things of just believing. It's more than that. You've got to hear the word. Believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Repent of those sins. The book of Luke tells, I tell you now, except you repent, you shall all what? Likewise perish. Confess his name before men and be baptized for the remission of your sins in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's that simple. Tonight, whatever your need may be, please come. Together we stand and ask.